You're listening to Be You with Jackie Moore. Hey y'all, welcome back. Today we are finishing up the last fruit of the Spirit. Yay! We're going to talk about self-control. Okay, I like to to save the one that's going to hit home most for last. No, but I just am really going in order, honestly. But this one does, I think, hit home for me. Um, and I think it will for some of you as well, because I feel like this one's a little bit more tangible. This is maybe one that we're a little bit more aware of than some of the other ones. Um, so we're going to talk about self-control a little bit later and how we can we can do that. But I think that One, it's important to acknowledge how opposite this is from our culture. I mean, our culture right now that we're living in is so completely opposite. Like, if it feels good, do it. That is the culture that we are in. Like, anything goes, right? If you like it, if you love it, if it is good to you, if it feels good, if it tastes good, if it seems good to you, then go for it and don't let anyone tell you no. Right. That would be what you might find in a, in a magazine, a self-help magazine or a self-help book that you might read. But I would say that that is contradictory to the gospel and to um, the Bible. There, there has to be some line there because um, if we just follow along that line of, well, if it feels good, do it, at some point, something's going to feel good or, or taste good or seem good to you. That doesn't seem good to me because it's harmful to me um, or vice versa. And so there has to be some kind of moral code somewhere. There has to be somewhere where self-control needs to um, be used. Otherwise, people get hurt. Things get hurt. Bad things happen. And so I think, one, it's important to note that when we try to let this fruit grow, when we try to exercise self-control and try to be obedient to the Lord in this, we're probably going to get pushback from people around us. We're going to probably um, be looked at kind of weird when we try to um, suggest, again, lovingly, we use hopefully multiple fruits at the same time. We're serving those up together, right? So when we're commending someone to someone else to use self-control, in an area, we're doing so with love and gentleness, right? And patience. Um, But we are, we do ask for that, right? Because the Bible calls for that. And I think we see this um, in Jesus. And that's the second thing that I want to look at before we move on. How do we do this? I want to make sure that we look at how Jesus does this and how he utilizes self-control. But even before that, I think it's important to note that Jesus was perfect, but he still had to utilize self-control. I think that for me personally, I can sometimes, when I think about like Jesus using self-control, I think, well, of course, Jesus used self-control. He was perfect, right? But that that's true. He was perfect, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't tempted to not use self-control, that he, even though he was perfect, he had to utilize self-control. He was self-controlled. He was perfectly self-disciplined and self-controlled. And therefore he was perfect because he never made a wrong decision in that. So it's important to acknowledge that Jesus was, while he was on earth, you know, it's kind of a paradox, but he was, he was fully human and he was fully God. And so 
knowing that we can relate to him and that he was fully human helps us understand that, okay, we're to be like Jesus, who also had to practice and had to bear the fruit of self-control. In Hebrews 1, chapter 18, it says, For since he, being Jesus himself, was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So we see this is talking about Jesus and, and referring to him, and it's saying that, that he was tempted. And because he was tempted, he is able to, to come to the aid of us who are tempted. So in those moments where we feel tempted and we, we know that we shouldn't be doing something, we know that something is wrong, we know that we should act one way, even though we want to act another way, we have to call upon Jesus and, and realize that he really can help us because he actually really went through temptations just like we are. Maybe they aren't exactly the same, but a temptation in and of itself um, is hard to use self-control whenever you're tempted, especially when you really, really desire that thing. And we're, we'll get into that about what that might look like for you, what it looks like for me to desire something. But again, I want to focus on Jesus first. Um, so I think that one of the things I can't, I don't know for sure. I'm taking a little liberty here, which is kind of scary actually sometimes to think about. But I think that um, it might be safe to say that one of Jesus's desires was to fulfill the Father's will, right? One of Jesus's desires was to because it was to fulfill the Father's will and to be obedient and to do what the Lord called him to do, which was um, to be king over us and to sacrifice for us. Because of this, I would say a desire of his was to um, have control or, or reign over the earth. A desire of his is is to have us in relationship with him. And so we see him in the desert, tempted by Satan. I'm not going to read the whole thing. The whole thing is in Matthew chapter four, but basically Jesus is led into the wilderness and he's fasting for 40 days and nights. And then at this time, towards the end of the fast, Satan comes to him and starts to tempt him with things. The, the last thing that he says is that Satan says in verse eight, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him, him being Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. So basically what I think is happening there is Satan and Jesus are on this mountaintop and they can see the world. They can see everything. Okay, they see the kingdoms and what's inside of kingdoms? People, right? So, so Jesus sees these people who he has a desire to save. Jesus sees these people who he has a desire to be a good king over. And Satan is saying here, hey, I will give these to you, right? The, the Bible talks about um, Satan right now being kind of the prince of this earth, um, of he, him rolling over this earth for a time period until Jesus um, returns the second time. And so to some degree, Satan does have power over the earth right now. And so I feel like if I were in Jesus's position, it would be very tempting in that moment 
to fulfill my desire of wanting to reign over these kingdoms, of wanting power over these kingdoms because of the people inside of it that I love and that I wouldn't have to suffer. I wouldn't have to go down the cross and and just, you know, all of everything that is wrapped up in that. But we don't see Jesus giving in to this temptation. He tells him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay, so we see Jesus in the face of temptation, standing firm and being disciplined, even though it is hard, right? And I can't, I make really poor decisions when I'm hungry, okay? Like if I just miss one meal or I'm late on a meal, I can make some really poor decisions. Like I honestly, I know it's silly, but I relate so much to Esau with his whole like coming in from the field famished and he gives up his birthright for soup. Like depending on the day, if I'm being totally honest, that could have been me also. But we see Jesus here had not eaten for 40 days and nights. And yet he is still by reminding himself of scripture and reminding himself of who God is and who is to be worshiped. He uses self-control and he denies Satan in that. Right. And so What that means for us, I think, is that we can use self-control. 2 Peter 1.9 talks about how um, we should exercise self-control and not forget what we have been purified for, like that, that Jesus fulfilled all of these things. Jesus was all of the fruit of the Spirit, and therefore, He can enable us to bear these fruit as well because he has saved us and now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so when you think about something that tempts you, for different people, it's different things. Um, I know that this this may sound weird um, or, or I don't know, it may not sound weird. You may, it may be totally, you may be like, yes, of course, if you really know me. But um, for me, like food can be really tempting. I can get really upset um, if I don't. And really what I think it, it falls more to than food is maybe like getting my way. It's really tempting to just get what I want. And I typically get the most passionate about eating where I want or not eating where I want or what I want. And so in those moments, when I use self-discipline to not be a brat, about not getting to eat what I want for dinner. Um, I am acting like Jesus. I'm bearing the fruit. Or in those moments where maybe if some of you have struggled with um, like like sexual um, sins or maybe you've struggled with lying or I went through a period, you know, I feel like every teenager goes through a period where they lie, believer, non-believer. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. But whatever the sin may be, whatever that temptation is for you, it can be different for different people. It can be different in different seasons of our life. But I hope that you can begin to start to have victory over that with self-discipline and knowing that Jesus was tempted also and knowing that you can ask him in those moments to help you be self-disciplined. This doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it means it's doable. So if we invite God into this, if we pray for this, um, I truly believe that he will answer it. And so in those moments when we are disciplined, he is enabling us to truly be who we were created to be.